every man. Peru drug girls. Uh, wow. Okay, so that, but that's actually people from um, uh, from Scotland, and they were they were trying to run drugs from Peru. So, uh, so anyways, that's what we I first came up with, and I thought, well, I should do a better search, and so I looked up um, Peruvian girls education problems or education and the education problems so we're going to go through that uh the education system in peru primary school starts at grade one goes to grade six from ages six to twelve it's six years boom uh secondary school is from grade seven to twelve from 13 to 18 it's five years and then they have vocational and tertiary schools and also um like higher education so uh, primary education education in peru through primary and secondary schools is theoretically free for children ages 7 to 16 although in practice inaccessible to many rural children the model begins with preschool education before the children enter primary school for sixth grades secondary education Secondary school consists of five grades. Many children, especially from country areas, find it difficult to adapt to this new level, especially as they are accustomed to a single teacher. Ongoing efforts are in place to try to close this gap. Vocational education. Vocational education is available in a variety of technological institutions and other similar facilities. Although mainly private, these are supervised and graded by the Ministry of Education that also licenses them and tertiary education. Higher education is available from private and public technical colleges and universities. Courses taken at the former require 3,000 hours of study, usually three years, and result in a certification as technical professionals. The oldest university in Peru is the Universidad Nacional Major in San Marcos. Found it, did, like, did, 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 did I do that okay? All right, let's, let's burrito. Founded in 1551 AD and by decree of King Carlos V of Spain. Those students who manage to aspire to tertiary university education follow a hierarchy of degree courses similar to the American model. All right, so that comes out of, um, uh, this was called class base. I just looked up. Peru, because I, I was, you know, questioning what, uh, let's look at the, uh, they don't even tell us the lowest ones ranking. I was like, tell us the lowest rankings over the world. I wonder where the United States is in with that. But the reason we're talking about this is we're going to talk about, um, Peruvian girls and how you can go to Peru and help and live on a farm for a couple weeks or a month and donate your time and efforts to help other people. Oh my gosh. That's amazing, right? But first, I'm going to give you the background on this kind of stuff. So, um, uh, education in Peru. Uh, education in Peru is under the jurisdiction of the Ministry of Education, which is in charge of formulating, implementing, and supervising the national education policy. According to the Constitution, ed education is compulsory and free in public schools for the initial, primary, and secondary levels. It is also free in public universities for students who are unable to pay tuition and have adequate academic performance. Uh, the Program for national, International Student Assessment has placed Peru at the bottom of the ranking in all three categories, math, science, and reading. Wow. Um, education in the pre-Inca cultures. 
No written or oral records exist of an organized educational system in the pre-Incan cultures. However, the demonstrated level of evolution of these cultures indirectly suggests the existence of an educational system. Each culture developed an idea of training its own people for their competitive interests and particular specializations. Such training and education could explain the metalworks, ceramics, and textiles that have survived to this day, which were pr produced with techniques that have been passed down and perfected and have unfortunately been lost with the conquering of many other cultures. So that's interesting. You know, what is considered formal education? Um, I mean, I read those Laura Ingalls Wilder's books like a crazy person I have since I was little. And when kids were going across, you know, they were in the wagon trains or whatever, they weren't going to school, but girls knew how to mend and, and how to sew and buttons on and how to churn butter and take care of a cow and ride a horse and aren't these skills that I mean it's not something that you're taught in formal education but couldn't it be I mean horse riding is only for the rich right uh, education in the Incan Empire formal education according to Inca Garlacio de Vega in his Comentarios Reales de los Incas book 2 chapter 21 was founded by uh, Inca Roca and spread by Pachutec the ninth Sapa Inca. This education was exclusively designed for the royal elite and later for the sons of conquered chiefs. At this level, they were educated to become administrators and leaders. The teachers were amuatas, men well-versed in philosophy and morality. The education was strict and punishment was used. The curriculum was based in mathematics and astronomy both necessary for an economic system based in agriculture. Learning Kwekchak was mandatory, more political than educational reasons. All right. Well, and um, one of my favorite movies of all time from Disney is the, um, watch out, they spit, the llama. Um, uh, and I can't even remember it. And I love that movie. And uh, with Yzma and uh, he turns him into a llama and that whole thing. And it's David Spade as the voice of the llama. Oh, it's so good. And um, Tom Goodman is the, the, the portly friend. And the, one of the first pregnant characters ever to be seen uh, in Disney animation was in that movie as well. And it was Incan. Emperor's New Groove. Oh, I knew I'd get it. Emperor's New Groove is pretty much that's about what I know of Peru so when uh, my friend Michelle was telling me about her thing that's going on her farm uh, down there in Peru I mean the only thing as an American even I'm, an, I'm a very educated person but the things I know about Peru are like Machu Picchu the, the picture of Machu Picchu that everybody sort of knows and sees with the, the rocks on the hillside and it's beautiful and green uh, Emperor's New Groove with David Spade as the voice of the llama, and you know, llamas in general, uh, that kind of stuff. And then uh, my boyfriend's uh, best friend Victor's dad lives in Peru. That's like all I know about Peru, and that they speak Spanish. So it was interesting for me to, and I've always wanted to sort of travel uh, to South America somewhere. I've always thought Argentina, but hey man, Peru, that'll be fun. Uh, so, but the Incan Empire was the Emperor's New Groove thing which is, okay, shows my level of education. Education in the viceroyal, viceroyalty of Peru. In the colony, it was deemed necessary to instruct the conquered people in the doctrines of Roman Catholicism and transform them into loyal subjects. 
They began re-educating the native adults and providing instruction to the women and youth, indoctrinating and educating them in the rudiments of European social life to use them to benefit the state. This was called elementary education, and there were other institutes, such as the Universidad Nacional Mayor de San Marcos, founded on May 12, 1551, which was accessible only to those of the aristocratic class, people with political and economic power, middle school, where they were educated, well, okay, so, which was accessible to only those of uh, aristocratic class and people with political and economic power. Duh, isn't it still like that right now in the United States? college uh i'm a little too jaded but i think that we are creating our own aristocratic class or at least we're telling people with college degrees at least letting them think that they are let's go to let's go to peru and check it out you guys uh middle school where they were educated by the creoles mestizos and some wealthy merchants and colegio de caciques or college of chiefs which was established in 1536 and ran until it was abolished by simon bolivar However, the native population in general did not have access to formal education, only informal education. The education of the time was predominantly religious and run by the different religious orders and priests. So you have, if you want to know how to read, you better know how to pray, right? I, I mean, I find it very interesting, like, who gets access to texts, texts and how it used to be a big thing to know how to read. And now we've sort of denatured our people back into text where it's, you know, LOL and LAMFO. I got one the other day and it said TY and I had to text back, um, I'm too old, I don't know what TY means and uh, they said thank you. <laughs> so we're just squishing the language when knowing how to read used to be a thing and now it's like, oh, now we have to read code? Ugh, I remember when it was just words we had to read. Ugh. Okay, anyway, education. They tried to teach me how to do, I guess maybe we are teaching kids code by making codes that everybody sort of goes by. I didn't know what DTF was either. Uh, a couple of years ago, a nice man in his younger years uh, texted me uh, DTF, which I didn't, uh, we had been having a nice conversation. I didn't, I had no idea absolutely what that meant uh, and had to ask. And then I was very embarrassed because indeed, no, I was, I am not, I am not DTF. Not at all. <laughs> um, because then that just like, you know, that makes it like, I don't know, it sort of ruins the whole romance of it, doesn't it? Anyways, language. I like romantic language. Uh, educational levels. Uh, early education begins, so we know about this. Uh, it's from six, first seven years of their life and then the five. It's supposed to be free. But then I wanted to get into the problems what are the problems of uh girls in peru so here we go this is from um uh, i don't even this is a u.s university directory i i have no idea where this comes from but peru the title of it is uh peru educational system overview uh the Peruvian educational system serves young people from shortly after birth until the completion of university studies, although many limitations and exclusions make this system far from universal. A developmental preliminary system attempts to prepare students for primary education during their first six years of life. According to the legal standards of the nation, Peruvian children have access to equal and compulsory primary education from the ages of six to 11. 
On completion of primary education, the students are proceed to a unified two-year program of secondary education in a general secondary school from 12 to 14. At the end of the general secondary program, students are divided into two tracks for a three-year program from 14 to 16. The more academic of these tracks is Ciclo Diversificado Cientico Humanista, which awards a Baccalariado Academico upon completion. I am killing it in the Spanish today, I think. The second track at Technical Secondary School awards its completing students a Baccalario Tecnico. Aside from the three-tiered program of a traditional education, the nation also provides special education services for nearly 300,000 students annually. These students include those with cognitive and physical disabilities as well as emotional instability. Education in Peru is compulsory from 6 through 16. The academic year runs from April to December for 38 school weeks each year. April to December, that's interesting. Oh, because they're on the other side. Duh, their summer is our winter because they're on the other side of the hemisphere. In secondary schools, each week includes 36 class periods. Uh, Throughout, so this is, th there's a whole thing about the rural kids. Throughout all levels of education, students in rural schools were considerably more apt to be older than the prescribed age for their current level of school, reflecting the relative weakness of the early childhood programs in rural areas. Similarly, rural students are much more likely to receive scholastic assistance than their urban counterparts. Uh, although slightly underrepresented in the primary and secondary schools, the status of women in Peruvian education has improved dramatically since the Tejada Ministry of Education began opening the way to full participation for women. The inclusion of minorities, most, mostly notably Native Americans, in the education system remains a work in progress. The history of Peruvian education can be outlined using a series of initiatives attempted since independence at integrating the Native Americans into the system. In the 1960s, the government instituted a new basic law which dictated that any community building uh, its own schoolhouse would be assigned a teacher by the government. In the wake of this, hundreds of peasant communities worked together to bring a school into their midst. And the Ministry of Education made good on the promise of teachers, greatly raising the enrollment rates of eligible students. Although recent reforms and practices suggest that the educational system is moving towards a less assimilationist attitude historically. Native American students were viewed and were encouraged to view themselves as distinctly and defectively other. Many, in many indigenous people viewed the education system as a means toward reducing this difference, thus forcing them to blend with the dominant culture. Education has, even in recent years, taken an active role in disparaging Native American culture, including encouraging students to discard their traditional clothing and speak the vernacular language. That's really interesting. It's the same thing. It's like it can't stop, won't stop, right? First, the, the Spanish came and colonized it and said the only way you have access to education is if you learn it through the church. So that's kind of knocks people out, doesn't it? Oh, man. Uh... Peru, gender discrimination causes young girls to miss school. Uh, this is October 14th, 2013. School-age girls are more likely to miss or drop out of school than boys of the same age, says Minister Anajara. According to the statistics published by Peru's National Institute for Statistics and Information, young girls are suffering academically as a result of gender-related issues and discrimination. 
Anita News Agency reports that the INEI compiled data about school attendance rates in children from ages of 6 to 16 years in the first trimester of 2013, so the, the compulsory years. The results reveal that school-age girls are more likely to miss school for family or economic reasons than their male peers. 68.6% of female survey respondents said they had missed school because of family or economic reasons, whereas only 57% of school-age boys said the same. Those are both pretty shitty statistics, BT dubs. Ooh, I can't believe I just said that out of my mouth. Oh my god, I'm hanging out with too many little children. I'm so sorry. So 68.6%, so 67%, 69% to 57%. So, I mean, I guess that's a pretty big difference. It's a 12% gap. That's pretty big. But 57% of school-age boys being out of school, too, is, is pretty bad. But why they're missing school. The statistics presented by the INEI also indicated that young girls are more likely to miss school than young boys because of a lack of school located near their home. 4.9% versus 2.5%. According to Andina, Minister of Women and Vulnerable Populations, Anajara explained some of the results of the INEI survey saying girls suffer more problems in the realm of access to education, even though this report shows that the rate of attendance for primary education in rural zones is 73.4%, which is to say that in early years, there's a higher rate of attendance for girls, but by secondary school, the rate falls, sometimes because of adolescent pregnancies. Being a woman is a factor in discrimination, and the state's attention must be called to the issue of the invisibility of this reality. Constructing the kind of society that we want depends on the commitment of authorities and society working together to achieve real equality between our young boys and young girls. Amen. I'm in. Uh, yes, yeah, so we're gonna. Michelle's gonna be coming in about 12:30, and we are going to talk. Uh, about what you can do and how you can give your time as an American. Because we already, as Americans, even if whatever kind of education you've had, we're heads and tails above where they are in their rural communities in what we can teach them. This is, I mean, we'll talk to Michelle soon and we'll see, but um, what her take on it is. But she was saying, you know, geez, come come down you have so everyone has so much to give so um we are going to listen to some peruvian music people while we uh we wait while we wait for michelle to come and uh do her interview with us today on the altacast here on Mutiny Radio, brought to you by Alta California Botanicals, the best tink in the biz. In the biz. Uh, if you have been to your local dispensary and they don't have it, ask for it by name, Alta California Botanicals. Uh, really wonderful medicine has absolutely changed my life. Uh, we're going to listen to some Peruvian music. We're going to be back with Michelle. You guys can hear more about what's going on in Peru with women and the educational uh issues that they are facing and how you can help and how you can go to Peru, you guys. Who doesn't want to go to Peru, right? All right, here's some music and we'll be back on the AltaCast. Mm-hmm. 
Aquí estoy a gusto y allá estoy más bien. Aquí estoy a gusto y allá estoy más bien. Uta y kumuka masinto corta capo. Uta y kumuka masinto corta capo.
must be some kind of education going on because if that's traditional Peruvian music, somebody's learning it, right? Uh, pretty, uh, pretty intense, uh, uh, what's it called? Flute action. Uh, good times, Peruvian music. So here we are back on the AltaCast on MutinyRadio.fm. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. The AltaCast is brought to you by Alta California Botanicals. The best tink in the biz, bar none. Tastes the best. It's an alcohol extraction, not a glycerin-based. So sometimes people have trouble with it with if they have alcohol issues or something. But I think it tastes better, and it's delivered to your system faster. It's absorbed through your mouth and your esophagus instead of having to go all the way through your gut. So it's not like a regular edible that takes you know, hours and hours to affect you. Hits you right away within 15 minutes and it's out within about four hours. So great, great stuff. There's also an external, it's a little messy, but if you put it in some coconut oil, THCA, amazing stuff, massive anti-inflammatory, just took a bunch of it. Always puts me in a great mood too. Hey, who knew? Uh, back to the Peruvian educational system. Uh, 72% of the population reported speaking only Spanish, compared with about 60% in 1961. Roughly 18% of the total population is bilingual in Spanish and a native language, while around 10% report being monolingual in a native language. That's interesting. Because I don't speak Spanish either, so... Uh, how can you go down to Peru and help if you don't speak Spanish? Well, it, it looks like you can. Uh, this number, while only 50% of the non-Spanish-speaking population reported in 1960, still represents a significant portion of the nation's potential students. Although Spanish remains both the official language of the nation and the primary language of instruction, earlier efforts at suppressing native tongues have ended. In recent decades, the government has reversed its Spanish-only policies, processing through a period of neutrality to current promotion and support for both bilingual education, mostly Spanish Quechica and Spanish Aymara, and study and preservation of various native languages. Recent initiatives utilizing bilingual education in the Andean and Amazon regions of the nation have resulted in pronounced progress in literacy and educational achievement among those peoples. Despite efforts at linguistic inclusion with the government at large and the education establishment in particular, literacy and fluency in Spanish remain a virtual requirement for participating within the national life and exercising rights as a citizen. Wow. It's really interesting that the speaking a native language doesn't help you out much. I mean, wow. I, 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 it's sad that um, languages are disappearing and uh, that, I mean, culture is so tied into language, isn't it? Food and language, I would think that are two of the main, food, language, and art are those the three main cultural components. And if you take away someone's language, are you you're taking obviously you're taking away a piece of their culture and when you make them assimilate and take away their you know native weavings and and the way that they've made their textiles and it's just um, the removal of culture between 1950 and 1990 the number of students enrolled in private schools declined from 34 to 14 percent this decline can be traced to two conflicting forces first the overall rate of matriculation among all eligible students increased significantly over this period 
with virtually all of these new students moving into the public schools, the private school's proportion of the total student population declined without an actual decline in headcount. Second, the economic crisis of the 1980s caused a slight reduction in enrollment in private schools, although this force was by far less significant of the two. Wow. Uh, so, Michelle's going to be here in a second, and we're going to talk about all this great school stuff. Uh, I'll finish up with this. We'll play some more Peruvian music, but uh, Peru rural girls face barriers to education. This is kind of the. It's kind of why we're here today on the AltaCast. What's happening in other countries, and, and how can we help? And um, you actually can. You can go to Peru. Uh, and Michelle's going to talk about it. Uh, my classmates from Utapampa had to walk an hour to get to school, says Yasmin Sena, a young woman from a village in Peru's highlands. That community is way up in the mountains. No cars can go there. No cars go. It's a good song. It was a it was really difficult and dangerous walk, especially when the girls had to make the trek home at night. The 18-year-old Sena, who was, who was from... Tumpa in the West Central Highlands region of Ancash, told IPS. Although she managed to complete her secondary school studies, many of the other girls in her class dropped out due to the numerous barriers standing in the way of education for girls in many of Peru's impoverished rural regions. A law was passed in Peru in 2001 to foment education in girls in rural areas. But it has yielded few results, according to a report by the National Network for Girls Education in Peru, which groups civil society organizations and government institutions. The only thing it has done is raise awareness and mobilize organizations around the issue. Concrete progress is needed, and there is much to be done, Teresa Tovar, vice president of, uh, of Florencia, told IPS. The study, based on official figures from 2009 and the first quarter of 2010, shows that 83.7% of 12 to 16-year-olds in the urban areas attended secondary school, compared to 66.4% of that age group in rural areas. So again, we're talking about uh, rural girls facing barriers to education in Peru. What happens when you have to walk an hour to school and it's dangerous? Um, and while there's no difference in the proportion of girls and boys in rural area, areas who enroll in secondary school, there is a large gap with respect to how many complete their schooling. Only 43% of young rural women between the ages of 20 and 24 had finished secondary school, compared to 58% of young man, men of that age. And remember, they said school is compulsory from 7 to 16. Tovar spelled out a number of factors that influenced the phenomena. Access to education may have grown, but it's harder for some communities to send a girl or young woman to study, and they prefer to give the opportunity to a boy or young man, she said. Geographic conditions are another factor. Sena said that several of her classmates who lived in highland villages in Ancash dropped out of school because the classes were only given in the afternoon. In some parts of the country, students attended class in shifts, and it was dangerous for them to return home after dark. A number of them had to walk a long way after leaving school at 6.30 in the evening. So several of them dropped out of school and now they're mothers, said Sena, who is studying psychology in Huraz, the regional capital. Every year, an average of four girls would drop out of her class and start a family. 
They didn't have the same luck I did, said Sina, who smiled as she talked about winning a prize in 2010 awarded by the Women's Ministry to young female community leaders. This month, she visited Lima with a group of young people who belonged to the Alancia Nacional de Lidras de Transformación, a group of youth leaders for change organized by World Vision, an international Christian relief and development organization. The study indicates that the greatest progress in reaching gender parity in education has been at the primary school level. According to official figures, 94.4% of children between the ages of 6 and 11 are enrolled in school, and there are no major differences in terms of gender or poverty in rural, or gender or poverty level. In rural areas, the enrollment rate is even three-tenths higher. But at the preschool level, there is a significant rural-urban gap. 66.3% of urban children between the ages of 3 and 5 are in preschool, compared to 55% of rural children. Interestingly, while in rural areas girls outnumber boys in preschool, the proportions are gradually inverted as children get older, and the inequality takes on an alarming proportion when it comes to indigenous girls and adolescents. The United States Children Fund, UNICEF, stated in the report Situations of Indigenous Children in Peru, launched in September, that the national statistics hide the differences between males and females in education. But when the figures are broken down in the provinces with the largest indigenous populations, gender inequalities are seen even when it comes to completing primary and secondary school, the report says. In the provinces of Condorcanqui, the northern jungle regions of the Amazons, and Peru, the northeastern Amazon region of the Yucalia, I can't pronounce. The proportion of boys between the ages of 13 and 15 who have finished primary school is 10 percentage points higher than that of girls. And in secondary school, the difference is as high as 15 points. Tovar said that boarding schools where students spend 15 days at school and then 15 days in their rural family homes could be a solution at the secondary level. The expert explained that the system has been applied on small scale through agreements with religious institutions, but now the state has not yet nationalized it. All right, so hey, we know a little bit more. Let's uh, let's ask our, our guest to join us. Uh, it's Michelle, hey. Yay, how are you doing? I'm doing well, uh, thanks. Yeah, jump up a little closer to that microphone, perfect. I am so excited. We've been uh, talking on the AltaCast here. Welcome to Mutiny Radio. Welcome Thank to you the AltaCast. Uh, we've been talking for the past half hour about what's happening in Peru with their education system as a whole, and then how it is vastly different for people in rural areas, specifically women and people of indigenous cultures, and how they've been trying to cull the indigenous cultures out of Peru through the education system since the original Spanish colonization. And that when they originally, the only people who had access to school in the 1500s when the Spanish were colonizing were people that went to religious schools. And then it sort of became an aristocracy thing. And that patriarchy somehow is still prevalent today oh, and yeah. happening right now in Peru. Oh, you see it all the time. You even see it in the capital in Lima, which is a very cosmopolitan city. And you just see, you just see blatant sexism or what? Oh, you see a discrimination within their own. I will, I've taken my um, folks that I know to Secretary's Day, you know, Employee Appreciation Day, whatever you want to call it, and they will not even acknowledge her. And it's really, what? really sad. They will not even look her way. Or they get shooed away. But what, not realizing that we're together. So I make a point. Oh no, you address her. She's my guest today. Because she's dressed as an indigenous person? Well, because or? she might be really, really dark. There are certain features. Oh. Or because she might be dressed like an indigenous person. 
and indigenous folks, they've got their regional hats. They have their attire. There's certain outfits that they will wear for a special occasion, and they wear it with so much pride. Of course. And going to the capital is a huge, huge deal for them when they're coming from the Andes. Wow. And then they're they're segregated. They're 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 not treated equally not because of their attire, but that they find pride in their attire, and that's their culture, language, and and art. And that, that makes up culture and food. And if you're trying to cull the culture out of people and make them all the same, what does that do for the country? Well, the sad, what does it do for the country? It, um, it does not allow the poor to grow, mm-hmm. become empowered, um, have dreams and succeed in life. Wow. So that group is only going to become bigger and bigger and the wealthier becomes bigger and bigger. So the middle class is becoming smaller and smaller. Yeah. Um, it's really sad to see someone with such excitement that they're leaving the Andes and they're going to the big capital. Yeah. They are beyond excitement. They're gonna pop. And they're putting together their outfits and they're gonna like wear their little skirt and their top hats and they're gonna and really- they've and woven gonna themselves. Wear with, yes, exactly. And, and that they've been passed down from generation to generation, how you weave these textiles and how you create these these articles that have meaning to them, attached to them. And it's so innocent, the, the excitement that's there. But stepping off the bus or the plane is when they realize, oh my gosh, there's another world. Whoa. And it only becomes harder and harder, not what they expected at all. Right. That, that to me is, I, I, that breaks my heart every single time. And I've seen it done <laughs> over and over again throughout the years. Well, and uh, through the education mm. system, I've read a bunch of stuff, and it was saying that um, there are, it's a one-room school system for a lot of people in rural areas, and then suddenly, they, if they do matriculate to the secondary institution, there's a, such a gap because they haven't had an experience in that sort of education culture, where mm-hmm. they haven't been moving between different teachers. They've been in the same classroom all day with the same kids in the same, the, the same education. It's one just one big room one big room <laughs> and then they're moving into a completely and so, so we can't how can people succeed if they don't have the tools and the education to be able to move on to the next step because of because they're rural or because they're far away from the city or in a different place and then why aren't why aren't their own gifts being um, applauded I mean well people take their craftsmanship for granted especially within their own country they don't realize that they are everyone is just sitting on a gold mine these folks have skills that you just don't see anymore the dyeing the textiles you know the uh, their fibers they've got great amazing super ultra soft cotton and beautiful alpaca um, and it is a gold mine and their talent with this with the knitting skills is amazing and the wow. weaving and the just and the beautiful thing about it is is that it can be fashionable eco-friendly sustainable it could it meets all of all of those bullet points that we look for and and they have they how long have they i didn't know they grew cotton in peru That's they a, grow amazing cotton really yes i can have you feel a, a swatch of cotton and most people most people will be like, is that cotton? It feels like suede. It is just so soft. And wow. Pima cotton has, uh, is, be- is becoming known out there. Pima so. cotton. Pima, yeah. And uh, they're using, um, what kind of, are they using sustainable farm techniques? This is, this is as far away from Monsanto as possible. Right? This is like, <laughs> they're not using um, It is so organic that they it's don't organic. even realize it's organic as it is because right. that's, just, that's all they know. So right. a lot of the 
items that I work with, our line that we're trying to launch, Bella Blue. It's organic and it's as raw as it gets, but we, it doesn't have any sort of certification. It's just, it's, it is what it, it is. is organic. It yeah. just simply is. Yeah. That nothing has been used in that, on that land at any time for the past like hundred years. So wow. it's, yeah, so that's the real deal. Tell us how uh, Bella Blue s started and where your ideas came from and um, how, what mm -hmm. your ideas about sustainability and how that affects the education system that we were talking about earlier with the history here. Well, so let me go back a little bit. Um, my have Peruvian roots. So I've traveled to Peru my entire life and I've seen lots of interesting skills and I've always challenged them as a, as a child and as I got older and whether it was with furniture or outfits or painting. I mean, it was just jewelry, whatever it was. I was always like, I'm going to take this picture and lo and behold, they could do it. And, wow. and they they have an eye and the, the craftsmanship, once again, and the resources that are there. So I, uh, I started Bella Blue about five years ago with the idea that someday I would be a stay-at-home mom. Oh. I love babies. Yeah. So I thought, you know, let's start a line of children's clothes. Initially, it was just going to be cotton. Didn't really think about alpaca. And I did cotton dresses, cotton shoes. I did I, socks, a dress, like everything right so that was a little hard to tackle and I had to just kind of scale it down and I realized you know everyone knits here and uh, not a lot of people know about alpaca right back at home and during that time back at home Peru just somehow just got a lot of recognition over the last couple of years everyone likes Peruvian food yeah <laughs> we have surfers that go out there we've got people right. that are into hiking in the Andes there's the whole like shaman thing there's 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 a lot going on in Peru right now. Right. So, um, went back to Peru and started working with a family friend who is a doctor. And we started taking donations with us and it was on a small scale. And we would either, some of the donations were either wheelchairs or we would fund an operation, but it was always whatever we had. Sure. And we left it up to our doctor friend to decide who needs it the most. If right. there was a, a family in need. So that was, we started doing it like that on our end. We have, I don't have oh, any So it was volunteers, it was, you were bringing it was down. Just, it was just me it was at just the time. It was just you, okay. Yeah. And you were bringing whatever the doctor friend needed to help the community. It was, was um, if I ran across a free wheelchair, then I was taking a wheelchair to Peru. Right, gotcha. <laughs> That's how I did it. So it was like, right. uh, I had crutches, okay, let's take, you know, whatever it was. To Peru. Yeah. Right. And that's how I kind of got started. Let's back up a little bit. Mm -hmm. So when you started Bella Blue, it was all cotton. And so you were dealing with the Lima cotton and then you were having people weave the textiles? Or well, were you people or how were you? So back then, so I, I was doing dresses and that's tailoring and sewing. Sure. I was also doing knits. That's a whole different technique. Sure. And doing shoes. So all of, so all of a sudden I'm yeah. like dealing with a tailor and knitters and crocheters. It was, it was, all over the place. Yeah, really hard to organize because mm -hmm. it's so such a shotgun approach. It's right. Like, Here's what comes from Peru. It's all awesome. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. And so, so now you've, um, I found a niche. You found a niche, and yeah. it's in the weaving of the alpaca baby clothes. Yes. Awesome. So I found a niche, and I started doing it again on a small scale. Right. Um, some life changes brought me to San Francisco and I was I've been blessed to have a, a small shop on Taraval okay, which cool. is out in the sunset 
and our address is 549 Terraval Street. All right. So you have to come visit us. Bella Blue, 549 Terraval Street. And uh, so by having the shop, we also met Dr. Rosa Ten, who is a doctorate of UCSF. Cool. And Dr. Ten does medical missions to the Andes of Peru. Oh. So she came up on a she came up on this article that was written about us and came into the shop, looked at my collection, and invited me to join her on her next medical mission. Cool. So I went on my first medical mission, large scale, up in the Andes, and it was everything that I wanted like to always do right. on that scale. Well, you were bringing crutches and wheelchairs <laughs> before, and now you're like with an organized, you know, medical mission. That's amazing. Yeah, so, yeah. and we have folks from Genentech. We have folks from like all over Alaska, Spain, you name it. Uh, I mean, just from everywhere. And right. it's a really, it's nice to see when you have a group of 30 people coming through. Sure. You can really make a dent. Right. Yeah. So through Dr. Ten and myself, we funded a knitting mill for a small village who was that we found that was in dire strait need of some help they yeah. needed to have some sort of resource some so t tell us what when you walked into this when you walked into this village it was i mean i have an image in my head but it probably isn't anything like it because i've only been to mexico uh but was it was there running water no or, no running water no toilets no 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 they nothing. wash things at the stream mm, you don't even see a stream the stream is far far away they're in a valley they're tucked away they it's just hard to even so find them come across them they're doing like daily water runs oh yeah to yeah. get like a couple mile hike to bring the water back mm -hmm. this is rural this oh, is yeah. like yeah and this the homes is like are all adobe. yes it's very very um it's just very raw. Are they farmers? Are they are they sustain like they they're growing enough vegetables to eat, or are they foragers? I I mean I am totally ignorant about what's happening in rural anywhere. <laughs> well, interestingly enough, um, the you don't see a lot of farmers out on the field in mm -hmm. that village. The parents are the farmers, and they are further even further away, and you you don't see them. So what you see is. Um, kids watching over cattle they have very okay. few but like you know one might have a couple of pigs and the other might have maybe two cows and and then the guy next door has another cow right and so kids are kids so you see these kids playing and goofing off and they're not watching the cow right <laughs> so it's uh it's cute it's very innocent but it's also it's sad to see these little little kids and there, there's no that's because uh, you're talking under six Oh, yeah, yeah. Under six-year-olds are, like, shepherding the cows? Yes. I mean, I... Wow, I have to... Na I nanny a girl who's nine, and they don't let her alone. I can't imagine, <laughs> you know, like... And she could easily take care of herself. She does that have a microwave. They don't have microwave. They don't have electricity. They, no. They have, what do they cook over? What's their heat source? Well, so... Um, cow so let me jump ahead. Okay, So. Okay. One night sneaking this is into... Great. Thank you so much for being here, Michelle. This is awesome. <laughs> no, thank you for having Baby me. Baby Bella Blue. So we funded a knitting mill and everything was great. Everything was going great. And within like, I don't know, eight months, six months, between six and eight months, um, the person who was our liaison, who we spoke to, was our communication person who we wired money to, who was in charge of buying some of the machines for us, oh. went back after we left and said, I'm taking these machines away from you. <gasps> And he also didn't use all the money correctly and has, and disappeared. Oh, no. So You're, they is... were, 
beyond disappointing, and I felt completely helpless. But obviously, I was determined to find this guy. Yeah. So I go back. He stole the money from yeah. the, from the town. That is like. That is like some sinister shit. That is he some... befriended them. He just, he was the nice. He was oh my god, Mr. Percy. Oh my god, he's coming to town. Yes, everyone. Let's we're gonna make him our special cheeses, and we're gonna like go get some corn and and just do a little spread for him because he's coming. It was just like um, what's that musical? P it stands for it stands for pool. <laughs> the, what's the one where he's coming to town? Major Healy or whatever, and then it's fake. It um, was so fake. Yeah. And oh, uh, and he was actually, uh, we were working with him on some of our tours. When our volunteers went, he would take 30 people. We didn't know that he was charging us like triple the rate of what is the wow. going rate out there. So he would, he loved us. Loved us. So. Wow. And uh, corruption exists everywhere. Oh, Sad yeah. Face. Yes. So I get word from, uh, from a mysterious person who calls me out of the blue. He emails me. And how do they email? I, but they figure it out. <laughs> they go to the internet cafe and they figure it out in their own simple way. And I got the message loud and clear. Wow. The machines are gone. <gasps> Money's nowhere to be seen. They haven't seen him in a, in a while. Wow. So I decide I'm going to go back in April. And I come down with a terrible cold. Oh. And I'm, I tell Dr. Ten, I don't think I can go. And she's like, oh, no, you're going. I'm going to pursue. Here's some hardcore drugs. drugs. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. She's like, no, we're going. This is what the doctors don't usually give you. Exactly. You're going to be fine. <laughs> she's like, you're getting better. Yeah. And so we jumped on the plane, headed to Peru. By the time we made it up to the Andes, it's nightfall starting to come in. Dr. Ten had other business to attend to. And I snuck into this village with the person that had contacted me. Yeah. So here we are tiptoeing, like, you know, like Fred Flintstone, right? Into the Across darkness that. of the village. In, exactly. And I'm coming down, you know, I'm trying to recoup from my cold. And I tell the kids that are out, you know, watching the cattle. And one of them went, I'm like, go get your parents. So one takes off and I'm hanging out with these other little kids out in the field. And at the time I had my camera with me. So I'm like taking pictures and they're giggling. They've never seen a camera. Oh my God, it's so fun. This and that. We're just. They've never seen a camera. They're, they're, they've never even seen me before. So they're like looking sure. at me like I'm an alien. <laughs> right, right. They're checking out my shoes. They're checking out my bag, everything. Right. And I tell them, you know what? It's getting kind of cold. Can we go back to your place? Because I'm sick. I don't want to come down with something worse. Right. So we walk back to their place. And this is the the president, the village, his home. Sure. And I walk in and it's a dirt floor and very, very little furniture. And they sit me down at their kitchen table. And then there's only one table, three chairs in this room and the rest of the room is empty. Yeah. And, uh, and everyone's just staring at me, just looking at me like with their little elbows on the table. There's no one saying anything, they're just checking me out. <laughs> so, and I feel the cold coming through my feet. Right. Like it's starting to soak really, and it's getting chilly, and right. it's pitch black out there in the Andes of Peru. Sure. There? And I ask them, so what do you guys usually do for dinner? And the little girl tells me, we don't do dinner. We <gasps> only have one meal in the morning, and it's, they call, I called it dirty water, because <laughs> it's water with a little bit of chocolate and a stale piece of bread. And that's what they eat. That's all they eat every day. In the morning, yeah. They try to eat late in the day, and then that's all they eat. I felt awful for even asking the question, but right. I—that's how clueless I was. 
So when do they kill the cow though? The cows and that's not for them to consume. They they don't. sell the cow yes, for the yeah. other people, so yes. they don't get to eat the cow. No. So they're not even raising it for their own purposes. No. no. Whoa. No. But they milk them and they stuff. They milk right? them. They try. Right. They do the cheeses and right. that, that's what they're using the cow for. What they're big on is uh, quinoa, sure. potatoes, yeah. um, seaweed salads. See, uh, where are they? They're close to the, wait, the seaweed <laughs> grows in the Andes? I guess in lakes, maybe. <laughs> wow. I don't know. Cool. It's very cool. You would think it's a, a spread from some fancy San Francisco market. Wow. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's amazing. But so the the night is creeping in. Darkness is crawling up your legs. Where did where did do they all just pull out mats and sleep on the ground? Like what happens? And I yes, they do. That's how they sleep together. So and they all cuddle and that's how they stay warm. Wow. Yeah. So, mom and dad come home. Yeah. Oh my God, thank you for waiting, blah, blah, blah. Mom tells the little kid, go get some food, which is their breakfast for the next day. You know, wow. I really don't want to take, but they are insisting and this is what they want to do. And I could tell it's so genuine yeah. and it's coming from their heart. Yeah. So I, eat I accept, yeah, I eat their food and it's a very stale piece of bread. Where are they getting the bread from? They go once a week into the town or they? They have, um, Yes, they do go into town. They might buy leftover bread, but town is 30, 40 minutes away. Oh. It's by bus, so on foot it's much longer. Whoa. Yeah. And it's life is just not easy for them. It's tough. It's really tough. Wow. And so mm. now you run, fast forward to mm -hmm. what's going on now, you take down groups of people to these rural villages, or it's one particular world. Now you sort of fund, you're funding one village or? So, so no, so what we do is we take our volunteers and we set up shop in Cusco. So okay. Cusco's the bigger, uh, it's more of a city. Right. And the villages that surround it are the small little villages that you, that the ones we work with. Sure. The ones that really have no access to the outside world. Right. So we take about 30 volunteers with us every year and we work there three days solid, 70 patients a day. And we work with whatever we have at the time. So if sure. someone donates a reader glasses, then we open up an eyewear department. If uh, we have um, an ultrasound machine, then we have a lot of pregnant ladies coming through or right. just whatever we have accessible to us. So um, our volunteers just got back last week. Brad. And it was, as always, an amazing trip. Lots of work, great experiences. Uh, the groups are loads of fun. But what if you don't have any medical experience? That's okay. We need your help. What? How, what, how can people feel that they're, you know, help? Like what? Are, you can help dispense. You can help dispense parasite pills. Oh. You give a child a parasite pill and you stamp their hand. Next. Ah. You can help entertain the kids in the waiting area because there's a lot. There's a lot of people there's waiting. A lot of people waiting. Yeah, because our appointments are. Morning sessions, afternoon sessions, first come, first serve. We don't do, it's at 8.30 because these people are traveling from far, far, far right. away. It could be by bus, it could be right. by foot. They just need to get there before a certain time. Sure. And then sign up and that's how we address. And so how does the volunteerism work? You you find your group and then, then what's, what's no, no, the next No, 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 we figure like, okay, this lady knows Spanish. Uh, she's bilingual. We're going to put her here. Right. Um, this doctor does not speak Spanish, so we need to put him up. Maybe with someone that does speak Spanish, but has no medical background. Gotcha. And that's what I've done. That's so I was able to help out that way. And it was 
Awesome. So you're the liaison. And how do people get in touch with you to, to donate their time and their gifts to this? Uh, they can email us at um, michelle at bellabluekids.com. Bellabluekids.com. Yeah. So now how does all this uh, medical uh, work and uh, volunteerism tie into Bella Blue and the child, uh, the baby clothes. So the the way we came across this small village was through our missionary nuns. They dedicate their time to, they go out to villages. They're always in search of people needing help. Um, a village that is lost in this little valley and there's an abundance of sick kids or sick elderly folks or just different situations. Right. Uh, and they they bring that awareness to us. So they they introduced Chita Pampa, which is the name of the village, to us. Yeah. And they had a structure that was about to fall apart. It was just, so we we refurbished it and uh, rebuilt. So you need builders too. You need people that are good with uh, carpentry or good with bread. I mean, any any kind of like manual labor. You need that too. Oh yeah, definitely because construction. So, engineering so let me so the uh so that's the knitting mill right um and that's where that ties in so the nuns introduced us to this village and we set up the knitting mill and that's where bella blue goes to work gotcha so let's continue on with the volunteer group right after the medical mission so after the uh the clinic help for three days we go out to rural villages hands-on like go out to see how these people live sure and go to orphanages that are not funded by the government oh so they are they are all uh working with missionary nuns now the beautiful thing about these places is that it's not so institutionalized and there's so much love and the kids really take care of each other the older girls are taking care of the little girls and they're all doing each other's hair and the boys are playing and helping each other out and big brother little brother and they're allowed to hug and to and to be affectionate that way sure um their bedrooms are usually pretty small because they don't want them just hanging out there they want everyone interacting and playing and learning right but it is a very sheltered life unfortunately the nuns can only do so much because there's just so much more out there to do right so what happens is they leave the orphanages at about 15 years old okay which is way too young for a sheltered little girl or little boy to be going out and facing a very hard, cold world And out very there. different than the rural. This is, inst- so they're living there. Instead of living on the dirt floor where they get the dirty water and the bread for breakfast, now they're in an educational like yes. institution with the nuns. They're learning things. They're wearing little outfits. Exactly, yeah. They're little, yeah, they're, it's like, hey, I'm in Catholic school now. And right, it's, it's, right, it's very similar to that. So okay. they come out to this real world where it's not, they, now they don't have anything provided But they're for them. actually orphans. Their parents died. Exactly, No, yes. it's, it's Or they've okay. been abandoned because the parents just can't they afford can't to it. have them. So they right. leave them at a church or they will leave them with missionary nuns right so they want something more for their children and they will give up their children wow or what you see many times is they'll leave them with grandma Uh. and mom will go to the big city or mom will go somewhere to work right and dad too a very sad story not too long ago we came across a family that they left their little boy baby boy with grandma Mm -hmm. grandma is uh very elderly and is going through, um, oh my gosh, what do you call uh, this? Alzheimer's? 
uh, Alzheimer's, but dementia. Uh, dementia. Yeah. And the, when we approached this home, we found the little boy tied to a fence with the with other pigs that were there. Oh. She thought that the little boy was one of the little pigs. Wow. So it, that turned into a huge, 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 huge thing because <sighs> grandma's, That's, yeah, no, it's sad. They needed grandma, but grandma can't do it. Grandma Well, mom, mom and dad don't, it's not like they're coming back every night or once a week. They don't right. come back for months. Right, right. And they're doing what they know, they, all they know. Right. They don't know any better, and it was all... In they don't have any other options, either. If, if you're living in a rural area where you don't have, like, the infrastructure set up to be able to sell your wares, to be able to say, oh, I am waking up every morning and making cool, indigenous, you know, textiles that I have a person who's going to take them somewhere and sell them and give me the money for that. If there isn't a market for that and the, the marketplace doesn't exist, mm -hmm. how do they... You start figuring out what, are, what else can I do. Right. And, and go into the city. And if you have those skills, maybe you go into the city and you start working for a, you know, sweatshop type of thing where they right. pay you $3 a week or something crazy. Exactly. So, it's stories like that that yeah. are just very, very compelling. But it's the nuns that bring this to our attention. Because right. we have only so, so much time when we go. Right. So, we go already prepared and we just pump it out in 10 days. Okay. So we always encourage people to add to your trip if, uh, if you volunteer with us. Uh, visit the rest of the country and we can help you set that up. Yeah. But going back to the, my story with the orphanages, yeah, 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 um, yeah. these children, they leave at 15. And what we're trying to do, we have a, uh, we have a farm and it's a, it's a pretty big space with lots of bedrooms. And we're trying to offer this for kids. We want them to have somewhere to go after the orphanage. Sure. What we're also trying to do is we have small knitting classes. We have a bakery. We're growing roses. We're like, we have herbs. We have geese. We have guinea pigs. Lots of blue ribbons for guinea pigs. Wow. Um, there's a lot going on. We want these kids to figure something out that they enjoy. Figure right. out a skill. Empower them so they're not exploited. So the boys aren't working for people that use them as mules and never right. pay them. Sure. And the girls don't all become pregnant and have more kids. Exactly. <laughs> or or it's even kinda, worse. Being being a good mom is a great thing. And if people uh, have the ability to take care of their kids, but if you're putting people, if they're having kids and you're putting back them into the same system where they're going to have to leave the kids with grandma or they're going to, like, they have to give up the child. I mean, ugh. Well, what's even sad to hear is that there is a saying in Peru among the indigenous ladies. The more you love me, the more you hit me. Oh, wow. No one needs to go through that. No. No. And no. they need to be feel empowered and know that they have a place to go. Right. And be able to fend for themselves. So that's right. what we want to offer. We want them to Because if you're not just dream. You're not just an indigenous person. You're an indigenous woman. Exactly. So not only is it um, a segregated society against people of indigenous backgrounds from the more rural areas, but then if you're a woman on top of that in their vastly patriarchal society, you're... The more you, the more he loves me, the more he hits me. Mm -hmm. Yay. Exactly. And it's sad because this is all just, it's a lack of education. Yeah. On both ends. For, for her to accept something like that and for the man to do such horrors, you know? It's, right. So we don't want that to happen. Yeah. We don't want these girls 
hooking up with someone at 15 right because they need a roof over their head right we'll give yeah. them the roof over their head oh wow yeah. so but our farm our roof is kind of falling apart and i don't know how to farm and i don't know anything about construction i oh. wish i could do it all but there's only so much you can do yeah so that's where i welcome anyone at any point yeah if you need a break in life <laughs> yeah and you want to come and just do something really good really humanitarian that's and you love landscaping or you love animal, whatever it is you have, and you wanna come and contribute, share the love, yeah. your stories, and learn and meet these beautiful, beautiful people. Um, we welcome you to come at any point. Come hang out, come live in Peru. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they can get in touch with you at uh, Michelle at Bella Blue Kids.com. Bella Blue Kids.com. Yeah. And you're looking for everybody. And like, yes, we are. Yeah. They can come teach English, computers, how to aquaponics. Right. Uh, I mean, anything, any, anything else. Yeah. Because you have the space. You just need the people. Yes. And they and have the people, but you need people to teach the people. Yeah, exactly. So you'd yeah. ba you're basically starting your own secondary education for rural people. In and that could spin off like in a crazy, crazy way. And if I had more hands-on, I would, and I, I love, I love helping and encouraging and seeing someone go from, from, you know, they came from something simple or not knowing much of like having any skill or tapping into something that they didn't even know that they were good at and that they enjoy doing that they can make a livable wage and keep and empower them to hold their own roof over their own head exactly instead of having to be beholden upon an outside person to, to take care of your basic needs or having to give up a baby can you imagine that it's so do you know how heartbreaking that would be to have to leave your baby behind because you have no money i mean it's crazy because you have and you have no it's that the resources are there it's just how do you create the marketplace? So you're creating the marketplace for the people. So tell us more about the baby clothes. You have this <laughs> store on uh, Terraval yeah, and uh, Bella Blue, and it's all so it's all alpaca. And for people that don't know, that's llama, and those are like awesome indigenous creatures in Peru. So alpaca and llama are two different animals. Oh, they are. They are. So uh -huh. so there's a vicuña, which is really really super high end. Uh, you see it in exclusive, super high-end Bergdorf Goodman's. It create a scarf could be like three thousand dollars. Wow, because it's yes. like it's like cashmere. It's like it's it's very similar to cashmere, but the animal's very dainty, oh. very light. It's a beautiful, beautiful creature, vicuña. Vicuña. Um, and then there's. Can you eat them? You don't want to eat them. Why would you, you want to eat a vicuña? I don't know. <laughs> I just wonder if people eat llama and uh, people are starting to eat llama <gasps> and alpaca. Mm -hmm. And I heard it tastes like beef, but if, why would you kill the llamas when they're making the well? The yeah, you could keep yeah, fur forever. Exactly, you could just keep shaving it and shaving. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's beautiful work. Uh, well, the alpaca fiber is amazing. Yeah, it's uh, hyperallergenic. It's water resistant. Huh. It's got an array of natural colors, uh, twenty-two different colors, from off-white through black, beautiful grays and and caramel colors and um, dark brown, chocolate colors, cigar colors. I mean, they're, it's a beautiful shade. But on top of that, we do amazing colors. And I brought you yeah. a little gift from Belle Blue. And it. this is vegetable dyed and it's all hand knit, a little alpaca fiber, crazy. Thank you. <laughs> My cat is gonna freak out. 
Yeah. It's a little chick. Oh, it's so soft. <laughs> it is. I was trying to take the tag off. Oh, oh, this is great. So, and this is this is hand that this is really cool. So, how much do these run for in your store? Uh, twenty-four dollars. Brad. And this all, and how much of the percentage goes to um, the, your your people that are making? So these? they don't they don't get paid if I don't sell. No, I pay them in advance. Oh. So while they were learning how to knit, and I was getting like crooked pockets and you know alpacas that didn't look like alpacas, it looked more like giraffes and all that. I paid them for their product for their time. I needed sure. to keep them stimulated, stimulated and encouraged and motivated and see the it's light of the your workforce. Yeah. Yeah. So I needed to create that. I needed also to create a bond and a relationship with these people. I wanted them to believe in the product and trust me and and trust is huge with them because they're used to people oh. taking advantage mm -hmm. of them like always what before. always always. Yeah. So I provide the uh, the working capital and I've been teaching them how to knit with certain compliance laws here, especially uh -huh. for babies. Um, we are doing pants with no pockets. Yay! No pocket pants! Why would you make a pocket? Why would you do all that extra work? What are the babies putting in the damn pockets? Um, but, and, and we're doing, uh, they're also learning about fashion, some traditional things. They've, right. they have never heard of anyone dressing their child in a black cable knit sweater. Really? So we have these great black cable knit sweaters with these cool silver star buttons on the shoulder. Little man, right? Yeah. So th our styles are very classic. I mean, the cable sweater has been around for what? M million years, right? Sure, sure. So it's very classic. It's not trendy, but it's really cool, cozy, and it's handmade, and it's handmade with love. Yeah. So. And it's made with these beautiful hyperallergenic fibers. Yes. And I, we were talking uh, the other night. I said, you need to start up a program, and I have no idea how to make this work. So if you're listening And out I there, love your idea. Yeah. The give a girl a llama program, where uh, <laughs> you give a girl a llama for Christmas, and then you basically give them an income for the rest of their lives. Oh, yeah. If, if you're teaching animal husbandry and they have a llama and it's their friend and they shave it all the time and it can they could breed them they can yeah they can take them into town what a lot of people do you will see when you go to Cusco there's a lot of ladies walking around and men or children walking around in their indigenous outfits and they will they dress their their llama they yeah. put these dangly little like knitted sort of uh, tiered earrings with colors on them and they make great pictures and they, they're around town so they could do that with it. Yeah. Socialize it. You could socialize your llama, have, have uh, American tourists take pictures on your llama. Or you could shave your llama, shave. Sell, the, sell the fur to the, to the local You could knitting. sell the yarn raw or you could clean it and spin it and, and make your own sweater. Wow. Which we carry pieces like that right. that are coming from our knitters and their llama and it's raw and it's as raw as right there that's, that's amazing it. yeah so we also help we do a, so I call it a, our bazaar yeah. so we buy from the artisan market to help out the artisans that are making their own thing sure so and their creations are beautiful what do llamas eat? They eat grass? Is it that easy? They are vegetarians. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just an amazing thing that it, this year for Christmas... And they don't all spit, by the way. <laughs> it's a myth perpetuated by Disney in that Cusco film. <laughs> Emperor's New Groove, which is, I said at the beginning of the show, it's one of the only... 
my knowledge of Peru basically comes from me. the Emperor's New Groove from Disney. Like that it's the is David's hilarious. voice and the llama they spit and all that stuff. Like and where they're walking around, like the images I have in my head are a few pictures, like the Machu Picchu picture. Oh, we gotta that's get iconic. you over there. I know. I can't wait to go. Uh, so when are you going? Uh, and soon. Uh, we gotta, <laughs> well, first we gotta get the group of people together because I know how to build stuff too. So I'm. I am I woman. Hear direction. me roar. Yeah, I'm, I take. See, you're a good now. example. These ladies need to see that. Yeah. No, I'll jump on top of something and I'll build a roof. <laughs> I'll figure it out. I mean, you know, you got to get done. I can stack rocks. I'm a strong lady. Yeah. Um, but if, if we could start a program that's for Christmas time, give a girl a llama, because all of these rich people in San Francisco know. Like, um, my niece is a very compassionate young lady, and she loves cats and dogs and so every year for Christmas she donates she collects food and does all these things and tries to give it to the SPCA shelter but there's another little girl up the street that I babysit just the sweetest little girl and she always donates too so if you had people like children for Christmas instead of being into the stuff and things of being an American and they saved money together and I mean what would it cost like 200 bucks to buy a girl a llama less than that less than that yeah yeah see I mean we, I could, we could collectively put something together for a village and buy a uh, few a llamas. A llamas. Yes. And they could breed yeah. more llamas. And, and it would change the entire... Uh, it's That's true sustainability. System. Yeah, true sustainability. That is true sustainability right there. Because the animals eat the plants and, the, and then they poop and then that can be used for the fertilizer. Exactly. And then they can be making their own clothes and, and they could, growing yeah. the cotton, use the llama poo on the cotton. <laughs> It seems, it seems so easy. But, I mean, even down there, just, just to start a farm and be able to feed the 15-year-old orphans that live on the farm and teach them how to create their own food, that that would be mm-hmm. amazing. Because I'm sure that the growing... And, and it's, it's just the, there, it's the, the maintenance. Cycle. So the maintenance for us is what's hard. That's the part that we know very little about. Right. And... Our nuns that work with us are amazing ladies. They're really cool nuns. They're street nuns. <laughs> street nuns. They are, no, they're they're hip. They yeah. they know what's up. They've got to deal with their people. Yeah. So they uh, they do what they can. Yeah. You know, it's uh, and it's really hard because everything is far away and it takes a while to get there. Because there's no cars. No. no well, cars you have to go. Uh, you have to use either the. Um, clinics truck right then everyone's afraid to drive so they always have to like find someone that's going to drive it for right them. right um, and go out to the farm or to the surrounding villages with that or jump on public transit that is out that there are public buses out there right um, but what are the roads like these aren't real roads right these are like no and that's the scary part when right. you're on those on public you're on transit a public bus because they pack them the in there oh sure and there's chickens too, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. You don't see too much of that, but you people are—they're packed in there. Yeah. Uh, I heard your story as I was coming in about kids having to travel. Yeah. By foot to school. So one day, coming back from the farm and going back into town, it was raining up in the Andes. It was just pouring down, and I see a little girl. She must have been five at the most, and they always—she was wearing her uniform. So there's a national uniform in Peru. It's this gray dress or burgundy, and uh, and it's always really really big on the little ones because right. they buy them big so they can like grow into them and work yeah. for a long 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 yeah. time. And she is drenched, and I can tell that she's crying just because of like how her shoulders are like going up and down. Yeah, because it's raining. It's, it's raining, and her clothes are too big. And she yeah, her clothes are too big, and she's on the side of road on the side of the road, and these roads are narrow. Yeah, people can't see. 
They're right. having a hard time seeing. And she's... In gray or burgundy against the dark sky, against the dark well, rain. She, she could be run over at any yeah, second. And yeah, she's yeah. scared. Totally. She is scared. So thank God we were in our pickup truck. And we pull over and we picked her up. And she was just... She fell apart. And it was the saddest thing ever. Oh. Yeah. But she was so thankful that somebody gave her She was afraid she was going to be in trouble because her uniform was wet. And oh. She had already been walking for so long. And so... We uh, pulled over, got some goodies, and you know, oh. cheered her up and sent her on her way. So. Oh, wow. But I mean, there, that happens all the time. Those stories are, it's all the time. This is their way of life. Yeah. It's the, and I mean, little, I who, who walks, who sends her kids, like, who lets four or five, you know? Who lets a four-year-old watch a cow get kicked in the <laughs> face, right? An hour to walk home. That's their commute. I mean, we baby American children oh, like yeah. crazy. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> these kids have so many responsibilities just to try to stay alive. Oh, in, it's, yeah, it's a survival thing. Definitely. It's a survival thing. Yeah. I yeah. mean, where do they even get the money to buy the little outfit to go to school? Well, that's the problem. So at, uh, at the shop, my shop is uh, my mother helps me run it. And my four-legged pooch yeah. has to contribute. <laughs> so we had a little girl that drew Lola. And we have Lola t-shirts. Oh, great. So the Lola t-shirts are for the kids, for them to, for us to buy school supplies, whether it's sure. a uniform or books, whatever they need. But that's what the Lola t-shirts are for. Brad. So <laughs> go to Bella Blue, you guys, uh, on Terraval and make sure that you buy a Lola t-shirt so that you can let some nice little girl in Peru have an outfit so she can go to school. Have her uniform that's her mandatory. Uniform, mandatory uniform, mm-hmm. even though it's it's free they say that the education is free but you still have to have the uniform yep and they aren't going to give you that are they nope and uh and then again we read in some of the articles that people are more likely to send little boys to school yes they come first and girls mm-hmm. because you don't need to teach them bitches to read if they're gonna have babies <laughs> right uh, i'm sorry that was that was off color i shouldn't i know we're not fcc regulated but um that's okay so what do you what do you think are the top three issues in peru right now for young ladies like if you were to if you could wave a magic wand and you could fix three things education is huge because i think education empowers people just i mean that alone if if you had an education you could do and this is like learning to read like yeah. they don't, they just, it's not even, there ain't even no, there ain't no book learning going on in the world. No. Parts. There's, no. There's, and a lot of them, their parents only speak the indigenous language, Quechua. Oh. They don't even speak Spanish. So Which that is, is an issue. language. Yeah. Exactly. And that's an issue right there. Language. So they, not only do they not speak the language, they don't have a cell phone. Do they know what oh. cell phones are? They do because there's enough tourism and people around and, and. They uh, yes they so they do know what cell phones are and and they're I mean you've got to be in some pretty pretty rural places um, that maybe like the jungle and and I've been to the jungle before there's it's hard to get some sort of reception out there (laughs) you mean they haven't put cell cell towers in the Amazon yet no really let's kill their bees too come on Uh, and so computers are not. So that's not keep, a, so there's uh, internet cafes. Okay. So 
But we're trying to bring laptops or computers to Peru right. to teach kids how to use computers because sure. it, this is just the modern way. They ha right. If they're going to be part of the modern, it's the same problem with uh, having kids have compulsory education for six years in a rural place where they're all in one room and then all of a sudden exactly. they're in secondary yeah. and they have no idea how things work and there's bells and now there's computers and they've never seen this kind Right. Of so we want them to like become familiarized with what it even looks like. Sure. My issue was I got a, I took a laptop to the knitting mill and everyone just walked around and looked at it and no one, no one wanted to touch it. They everyone afraid. was afraid to touch a button and then I was like, the nuclear bomb will not go off, yeah. I promise you. <laughs> so education is number one. Uh, would you say technology is number two or would you say that education and technology are kind of a similar issue? Kind of a similar issue because it would be an introduction at, at a small age while they're in school, right. while they're... You want to introduce that to them at that age. Sure. Uh, we don't really have a whole lot of control of what's happening afterwards, so we're just trying to get their attention to come and hang out at this farm and learn something sure. and hang out and be loved with your own group. Uh, don't settle. Right. Not, not so soon. It's it's a hard world. Yeah. And there's a... It's a, Yeah. <laughs> so, number one education, number two issue facing young girls in Peru right now. The uh, health... I think uh, health, health, because there are you're not going to a doctor, you're not getting your girly parts checked out. Someone exactly. might be touching your girly parts, and you yeah, don't know that's that not they're okay. not supposed to be touching no. the girly parts, and then they don't even know and what's going on. Contraception downstairs. also, contraception. They have no idea, no idea about contraception, no condoms. So is there are there big STDs down there and stuff? Is that like a kind of a there a was health issue? Um, so there is a health issue, and there's uh, in the city of Lima, there's a big AIDS issue actually. Oh. Mm-hmm. So uh, a few years ago, when I first started this, I uh, I broke up with my boyfriend at the time, and I was like, I am not spending my holidays here. <laughs> so I went to Peru, rented an apartment for over a month, I think, and decided to throw a Christmas party for terminally ill children with AIDS. Wow. Who are completely ostracized from whatever family they have. Sure. Uh, but it's not their fault they got the AIDS. Yeah, but people think that they can't eat off the same fork or they can't get, oh, or, or don't touch them, can't give them a hug. education yeah. issue. It's a right. health education issue as well. So I went down, ran in a Mrs. Claus suit because I couldn't find a Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> and it happened to be a mini skirt Mrs. Claus suit. So, <laughs> oh, Brad. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we went out and bought gifts for 75 children, personalized them all by age and boy and and it was like the price is right. They were just like, whoa. And I gave each and every one of them a hug. Oh, and a lot great. of them came up for more hugs. Yeah. They just couldn't believe it. Like, I'm touching them. Why am I, why are we even eating cake? Wow. Uh, in the same room. They wouldn't even share a cake. It's like they tr treating it like leprosy. Exactly. Like if I touch you, it's going to be some kind of super contagious but it's just an education issue it is it is so wow. what we're finding is uh if the children lose their parents then an aunt or a grandma once again or a grandpa they are stuck with the kids but they'll put them in a back room and they can't they can't go to school they can't Whoa. mix with the family so it's it's a complicated illness worse than the family dog yes yeah yeah definitely so, wow. so we are trying to bring more, we're trying to educate people in general that you cannot, you're not going to, no, you're not it's bloodborne disease. And yeah. And hug your children, hug your babies. Why are there, 
Why are there 75 children with AIDS? Like, where are all the AIDS babies coming from? Are they, are they AIDS babies? Are they like people with AIDS having babies, or are they? Yes. Okay. Instead of it being like, I, I, I'm like, is there a huge rape problem in Peru? No. Because uh, I know that's an, that's like a South African thing where they they have a myth that if you have sex with a virgin, that it'll take the AIDS away. Oh my and god. And so that's why a lot of young. 12, 9 to 13 year old girls. In, that is in, awful. Yeah, in Africa will be terribly yeah. abused because they're, that's like a myth that mm-hmm. having sex with a virgin cures the AIDS. So it's not it's not that kind of issue. It's either. usually dad bringing it home that oh. he's catching it, unfortunately, on the street. So Gotcha. Yeah. So, so it's, it's another patriarchal issue. It's yes. The, the, so the, they have all the men have all the rights, so they have all exactly. the power. So yeah. So the girls get the AIDS. And so then the mom gets it and then the and then the baby gets it. Yeah. And, and there's not enough health care to be able to Well the education behind that, like to know you are not you should be out right. having sex with Right. I mean <laughs> yeah, without a condom. Exactly. There's no and then education the, on the on the on the condom itself right like, and how to even put a condom on wow <laughs> so we did a class on that it's like visiting the 1800s or earlier what would you say it's like visiting the 1600s <laughs> I was, like what is it i mean well it's you know it's complicated because they have uh, they do know the modern they do know bits and pieces of the modern world that it's almost dangerous for them to know the little that they know because they don't know enough about it and that's what creates just enough to be dangerous yeah and obviously in the rural areas there's no movies but even if they are imbibing american culture it would have to be so no foreign to them well not only that but that's it's just that's expensive that i mean i've met people before they've never ever ever been to the movies so right you know that just is not even Across their mind, yeah, that's just not. And they're too busy trying to stay alive uh, and finding food to eat. Yes, exactly. The thing about the movies and the new release. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, Americans, we have so much plenty that we look for distraction. But in places where they have no plenty, they don't. There, there is no need for all of the distraction that we Mm -hmm. surround ourselves with. You know. Right. Oh, I have to check my email every five minutes. Oh Oh my gosh. (laughs) You know, like what's happening on the news right now? Let me look at my feed. I mean, we've got little computers in our hands, and and are not that far phones. away. Our smartphones. <laughs> it just—it's amazing to me that we are all living in the same world, and yet, and they're not that far away. <laughs> we're on the same kind of—I mean, it's a different continent, but kind of here we're all on this side of the world. But the other hemisphere. But when you go there, so... you realize how far away and how different, and way of life is different. But there's something so beautiful about the Andes. Yeah. There's this mystery, and it's and it's beautiful. The the peaks and the valleys and the richness that that area has is everything's like huge. And we haven't exploited it yet either, so no. it hasn't become Americanized with <laughs> exploitation, and it's not. It's just no. not there yet. You when you see folks on the you know coloring their own wool, their yarns, and and doing it with with vegetables and or like um, herbs and and other bugs sort of, you know. <laughs> it's, the colors are amazing, what comes out of it. The fuchsias and the magentas and the, you know, the yellows. Look at it, the chick. Yeah, the, I mean, this is amazing. Is that it's a bright? <laughs> it's incredibly bright and soft and darling. And that's where Bella Blue differs. Our collection differs from everything else that's out there that is organic or that is eco-friendly. Most things that are eco-friendly are 
they have a, a very casual yoga bohemian feel to it, and the sure. and the color range is usually like a, a like a hunter green and like a off white and that taupey sort of color, which I love. Yeah. But that's usually the only range that you see. Sure. And we've got orange and blue and yellow and red and pink and. All sorts of colors. And you guys are sustainable and you're fair trade, so you're not exploiting any of the people that you're, you're, no, you're and we actually welcome helping. Anyone to come and join us on our medical missions because it is a so transparent that there's nothing to hide. I mean, you see the whole process. How there. much does it cost to get down to Peru? Well, because but basically what you're asking people is you're saying, all right, so you've got two different issues here. You've got a, you've got the 10 day. Thing that's the medical mission and you're mm -hmm. saying stay on longer and all that but what the people are responsible for is their own plane ticket but is that it or they have to bring extra money or well what is it? yeah I would I mean you I guess you could go with very very little money and eat off the land and and your airfare there and back but I think uh, I think while you're there you're gonna discover that you do want to go into town and visit the artisan markets and just spend a little bit of money and plus you need to communicate with back home I'm sure so oh, right. so yeah there's like little so you do have little expenses while you're there but money goes a long long way so what is it if you want let's say uh, mutinyradio.fm listener says I want to do this I want to go on a medical mission I want to go I want to go for 10 days they're looking at what like $800 in if, plane flights if you really if you really are diligent about looking for a ticket I my actually my mother just went her oh. round trip ticket came out to less than $500 believe it or not wow Yep. Wow. So this isn't cost prohibitive. This is like... No, no. I mean, you could be... Uh, you could have just maybe uh, finished up at CCSF or UCSF or Or look SFSU. for someone that wants to donate their miles. Oh, that's brilliant. Mm -hmm. Look for someone who wants to donate their miles. And you get your plane ticket, and then you just sort of need, like, extra expenses. It's, yeah. I mean, you could eat in the, so you could eat in the market and have a beautiful homemade yummy Peruvian meal for about three dollars. Wow. Yeah. Probably even cheaper. Right. Crazy. Yeah. And so uh, the other thing is, if people want to, um, if they want to go down and help you on the farm with Bella Blue, what, what is that? There's just so much, so many different areas. If you want, if you have like in textile industry, fashion sort of background, and you want to contribute to that. That that in itself would be a huge, huge, huge thing right. for these folks because they are knitting mill, for example. We've taught them how to knit and we've taught them the whole production side, but there's a whole infrastructure that they need to put in place. They need to have a manager, a quality control person, a shipping sure. person, and yeah. a PAR, right? Right, <laughs> right. Communications right. person. So there's a whole other element there. Right. Um, they need to also start learning some keywords in English. Maybe that. Right. You know, also learn to have an eye for um, quality control. So the there's, whole... There's all... There's so many aspects to it. The point is to make them self... It's to help with our Just American reach skills out to, to make them self-sufficient. Yeah. Just reach out to... The fact that you would want to go, oh. that in itself, that's the hardest part. I, I, I... There are so many people. I can't imagine that there aren't hundreds of people. If you're an artist... Yeah. And you want to... You need to, you're alone time. You need to get away and just hunker down and go paint in the Andes and watch the sun come up or the sunset, whatever, right. whatever you want to do. You know, that's the place for you. Yeah. Free lodging. Yeah. 
It's crazy. Mm -hmm. And you just have to, the skills that you naturally have, you have to uh, help other people understand what those are. And uh, hopefully uh, everybody learns and it's wonderful. Yay! Yay! (laughs) So people can contact you, uh, Michelle, at uh, Mm bellabluekids.com. And uh, we'll attach you on uh, all the Facebooks and all that stuff. And do you have... Uh, uh, what's your website? It's so the Bella website Blue is, Kids. and don't pull it up right now, because okay. <laughs> we're working our, our e-commerce site. But also, we uh, my mom just got back just last night. Oh, great! Twelve thirty, she landed. Wow! And uh, we're gonna be updating our bazaar section, which is the items that she brought back from the artisan market. And cool. those things are that's what changes throughout the year. Right. So we uh, we have a focus for the holidays coming up. Can't believe I'm saying that. But it's, right, it's September. But no, sure, I know it's so hot right now. It's like, how could we, how could we possibly? So when I first looked up, because I wanted to do a little research for for our talk today, I first looked up Peru girls just to see what would come oh, no. up. And there is a ton, and I'm just wondering what you think Peru about this. Of <laughs> uh, um, Peruvian girls, Peru girls for dating and marriage. Uh, Peruvian dating, most Peruvian girls signing up to meet foreign men through international dating sites are generally Aww. from the largest city, Lima. This kind of thing. Here was another one. It's I thought their that opportunity was cute. to get out. That's what they're always looking for. Uh, Peru women. This is a site called Love Me, oh and it's God. Peru women tours. Meet literally hundreds of Peruvian women during your exciting singles tours to Lima, Peru, and Machu <laughs> Picchu. More than ten women for every man. That's crazy. Is that? Is that becoming a more popular thing that they're not only are they saying um, when, when they're becoming mothers really early because they're not sure who else is going to take care of them, but sort of the international trafficking of Peruvian women for marriage. They're very pretty girls. Well, in Lima, you see um, girls that are put together, not so indigenous looking, the ones that are. None of these are no, indigenous looking. No, they're very, they're city girls, but there are girls that probably don't come from a family that's wealthy but they're looking for a way out of that that social class they want out they want the big dreams so it's uh yeah i see that more and more all the time got a nestled by the sea in the shadow of the majestic andes lima <laughs> peru one of south america's friendliest and most unforgettable cities friendly because the relaxed laid back live and let li- live and let live atmosphere of the locals and the unforgettable because of the thousands of incredibly beaut- beautiful latin ladies who live there um, we've got Brazil influencing Peru. That's like that's their neighbor. So there's that whole sexy thing going on. They look, they're sexy girls. <laughs> men travel the world uh, around to meet sincere, lovely foreign ladies, but men who come to Lima are searching for something more. They seek the most feminine, family-oriented, and exotic women Latin America can offer. Here, the women look at you and smile, showing shy excitement behind their dark, sparkling eyes. <laughs> You'll be awed by their shapely, bronze-sculpted bodies, yet unbelievably sincere sincerity and warmth. And loyal. And loyal. It could <laughs> be. Yeah, they can beat them up, too. And it couldn't be easier to talk to a Peruvian girl. All you have to do is say hello. <laughs> that's right. Uh, okay, so that's sort of the, that's the, the first thing that popped up. When I looked, and then I said, "Oh well, I need to look for Peru, Peruvian women or Peruvian girls' educational issues." Yes. <laughs> and then I came up with a lot of those. They're like, "Hey, when you're 15, you're SOL. Get out there, girl, and sell your tushy." <laughs> so that was that was very uh, interesting to me. Did you? It's just um, 
they, they don't have a lot. Is there a lot of sexism against all women or just like their women? When you went down, you don't ever feel like the men, do you feel like the men treat you differently? Is there sort of Well, a, it's, um, you know, it's a Latin country. So men are certainly going to appreciate women just whatever size, shape, height, whatever you are. Right. They love them all. There's no Spanish word for stare. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. There's no word for it. You can look, you know, there's Mira, but there's no stare, stare. meaning that you're like making somebody uncomfortable with your eye contact. Oh, they won't just stare. They they'll tell you. They'll 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 whisper sweet nothings in your ear. Well, here we go. Maternal and reproductive health. <laughs> Women who live in poverty are less likely to give birth in a health center or be attended to by a healthcare worker. Peru has one of the highest maternal death rates in South America, hmm. with the government noting 185 deaths per 100,000 live births, and the United States, United Nations estimating the number at 240 uh, deaths per uh, 100,000 live births. Uh, in order to combat those high figures, the government released a strategic plan in 2008 to reduce the total to 120 maternal deaths per 100,000 live births. So number one, 40% of the women die during childbirth because of hemorrhage. That's awesome. So that's just straight up bleeding. 23.8% mm -hmm. is other. We don't even know. Preeclampsia uh, is 18.9%. Abortion related is a mere 6.1%. Infection is a 6.1%. Unknown is one8 and obstructed birth is less than a percent. So obstructed birth would be like, you know, your hips are too small or something. Right. Uh, the age of consent in Peru has changed several times in the recent years, and it's been subject to political deba debates. But today it is fixed at 14. That's awful. Regardless of gender and or sexual orientation. Teenage pregnancies are not <clears throat> uncommon. They are often the result of rape by a male relative. And then there's a cute picture of a girl with a llama. Yay! <laughs> the girl cute? with her alpaca <laughs> in the plaza. And, and it's a really cute picture. And this girl looks like she's eight. Yeah. So it's, you're never too young to give a girl a llama so that she can uh, take care of herself and her in family. the future and her family. Mm -hmm. uh, and they've got some... And grow a special bond with her pet. And grow a special bond! Yeah! Mm -hmm. I mean... I mean, I would shave my cat and knit a sweater out of his fur if, if that could make if that could make some money. I mean, he definitely sheds enough. Um, by law, Peruvian women must be 16 years old to marry, except that the 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 consent is 14. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, prior to 1999, it was 14. 13% uh, of women between the ages of 15 and 19 have been married. In marriage, that's so young. Yeah, in marriage, the husband and wife share responsibility for household affairs. And 25% of marriages, the finances are handled by men. In some other families, the mother is the head of the household. Like, uh, or then they say in some ethnic groups, such as the Ashinka, practice polygamy. Well, that would definitely make <laughs> it easier, wouldn't it? I mean, if it was a bigger family structure. Um, well, you definitely, when you meet, uh, I have a few knitters, and you can just tell that they are the alpha in the family. Yeah. And they are managing the money, but they're also working the hardest and running the house. And right. the kids, just, they're, they're out there. Yeah. Yeah. They are powerful ladies. Uh, domestic violence. Uh, women in Peru are subject to abuse, 
with almost half suffering from violence. The most common form of abuse is psychological. There are also reports of female genital mutilation as a rite of passage during puberty. The government has attempted to address these issues, establishing the National Program Against Family Violence Abuse and passing a law requiring local authorities to deal with domestic abuse and stipulating punishment for rape and spousal rape. The legal action against perpetrators of abuse is slow and ineffectual. Yeah, great. Uh, uh, in uh, 1999, Peru repealed the law which stated that a rapist could be exonerated after the assault if he married his victim. Oh, that's insane. <laughs> right? <laughs> Thanks. Wow. So, and I don't want to, I, I mean, I don't want to say that some of these laws are, are, are backward, but... Some um, of them are. Some of them are. But, mm-hmm. And we're dealing with... The, the thing is that they are so... Peru is so different than America. It is so... Right? It, it is, is like... It is... Yeah. It is... We can't even have an like a prejudice against anything because it's so... They have a lot of removed. really beautiful traditions that are very, very family-oriented that we are losing here, that sure. we don't have that, that bond, that strong unity... Um, that I love seeing over there. There are certain things, I mean, there's just some great, great qualities. But with that said, there's also some very, very backwards ways of thinking. Right. So it's, uh, and it's primarily male dominated and it's sad to, you know, to see that really that's what you're taught or that's okay with you. Yeah. No, that's not okay. Really? Yeah, no. Uh, well, this has been amazing. So, uh, we had some Peruvian music playing behind us, which was, (laughs) Uh, lovely. We've learned a lot about what's going on in Peru, the education there, the lack of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so number one problem, education. Number two, health issues. Do you have a third issue for women in Peru? For women in Peru. Those are two biggies. You've got yeah. education and health. So <laughs> Education and health. No, you know, that's um, those are two biggies. Um, but the most important thing with women is empowerment. Yeah, I, I, that's really what it comes down to. And with that, she will feel empowered to like, I'm going to go out and get, continue my education. Yeah. I'm going to go out and get a job. Right. Uh, where, with skills. Exactly. Honoring their own skills. Yeah. And maybe even and she should start be, their own business. Yes, yes, yes. And we, yes. And that's why I am trying to teach my group of knitters how to price what they're making. Right. How to run their own business, what it really takes. You need to pay yourself. You're not just trying to make money off your materials right. because whether they stay with me or not, I want them to walk away with something with skills. Yeah. You know, I want them to be able to export to with someone else. Right. You know, I want them to know how to manage that. So, and there's a lot to be said about they, that they don't know shipping or invoicing or email or correspondence or just email. fulfilling an order. Yeah. Or spreadsheets, spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> so computers. So you guys, uh, we, oops, the, the Peru music part two came up. <laughs> uh, so everybody, please go to Michelle at bellabluekids.com. Yes. And, uh, and go to her store. Go to Bella Blue on Terraval. Tell us and the address again. And if you wish to see some uh, video on our trips, on our medical missions, oh, uh-huh. you can go to YouTube and type in 2011 Medical Mission Peru. Okay, I'm gonna write gonna, this down. You, I'm gonna I'm gonna type this in, so I'll put it on. Our, and it's our a website. lengthy video, but it's from the very beginning when the nuns pick us up at the Cusco airport, and it we drive to the clinic, 
and you can see the lines of folks that are waiting for the American doctors to arrive. So Very moving. And then we visit the villages and the orphanages and the, or and the kids always perform. Um, the gift giving, so the donations, whether it's toys, um, and that always moved, that, those visits to the orphanages and the outside villages usually move, move us. <laughs> and uh, you see lots of tears. Oh yeah. Because it's just, it's sad to, it's emotional, it's an emotional thing to see how thrilled they are to have us there. Right. What breaks my heart most of the time <laughs> is when I have to leave. Yeah. Um, but no, it's uh, sometimes we run into, we run out of gifts. Oh. There will be a line of little girls, and the hardest thing for me to do is to say, I don't have another one for you. Oh. It's medical How can mission. you do that? Medical Mission Peru. Yeah, 2011, Medical Mission. 2011. Yeah. 11, Medical Mission Peru. Yes. Okay, we'll... we'll um, and Dr. Rosa Ten is the one that published it, put it on, on YouTube, so it's... Uh, and you'll see the nightlife. And, you know, if you're a volunteer, after, we're, after we finish our work at the clinic, a lot of us go shopping, some people go out partying, some people hit the artisan market. There's a little bit of everything. There is room for... Uh, and plenty to do. Yeah. Well, it's, are you pulling it up? I'm I'm trying to, but my my computer box is angry. Uh, Medical Mission Peru, and also I can't spell Peru. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it on um, our. Uh, I'll attach it to some things on the website, and it'll be great. And we'll put your um, email email there. So it's m i c h e l l e at b e l a b e l l a b e l l a yeah. Bell L A Bella at B L U E K I D S dot com. Awesome. Uh, and then everybody, you can uh, reach her there and go to Peru. Everybody, go Come to, Peru. to Peru. We need you. Come and to I Peru. I guarantee you will have loads of fun, more than what you think. Yeah. Uh, There's so a whole other world out there, and uh, and we, that needs your help, and that you can make a difference. So if you're one of those people that's been like feeling really lackluster and you're like, ugh, ugh, my life is so boring and here I am in this city and I'm just like drinking every night and having <laughs> so much fun and I just want to do something with my life. Go to Peru. Go change your life. Go help somebody else and, and don't be such a self-centered, entitled little douchey, huh? And go help. Go help some other people um, make a life for themselves because they um, are living in rural areas where they don't have a lot of opportunities so you can help them have The reward from that has so many benefits that you have yeah. no idea how good that feels inside. And it's it, priceless. Anybody who wants to start, we're going to start on the give a girl a llama for Christmas thing. I mean, at less than 200 a llama, we could really affect some people's lives, like the rest of their lives, little girls, you know, give them a llama, let and it be self And by the way, the shop, it's not just baby stuff. So I've had people come in and say, can you make this in my size? And lo and behold, we do it. Oh, right. So it's... Uh, They've done a great job at doing some custom-made pieces. So come in and check us out. Check out Bella Blue on Terraval in the sunset. That's right. And contact Michelle at bellabluekids.com to go to Peru and 
Find out more about the wonderful difference that she's making in a world with her sustainable products and working with the farm on Peru. Also, if you're a contractor or a landscaper or a, a cook, a carpenter, or a cook, <laughs> or a fashion person, a fashion person, go down to the farm and, and uh, change your life. Thank you guys. This has been the AltaCast here on MutinyRadio.fm and uh, brought to you by Alta California Botanicals. If you're looking for medical marijuana tinctures to solve uh, the majority of your problems, I think Alta California can do it. I don't think that's a big, a, a huge claim. Uh, but six different new medical tinctures to uh, make you well. Everything from high THC to high CBD to THCA to CBN. Awesome. Uh, so, yeah, cannabinoids helping make your life better. I wonder if uh, they could grow, can they grow pot in uh, I Peru? Know. I don't know. If I they... mean, if they could grow hemp in Peru. Hmm. Now that, now there's some sustainable agriculture, let me tell you what. I, I wonder if the climate, maybe not in the Andes, but somewhere yeah. else within, I bet. You well, they're, and they're on an opposite schedule, too, like yeah. with the winter and the summer, so. Southside of the equator. Southside of the equator. Hey, uh, maybe maybe hemp in Peru. Uh, thank you guys for joining us on the AltaCast. Uh, again, thank you to Michelle of Bella Blue Kids for being here with me. And see you next week. I think next week we are going to have um, comedians, some comedians call in from other parts of the nation and tell us what it's like to be a comedian not in San Francisco. So that'll <laughs> be interesting. Uh, again, thank you guys for joining us on the AltaCast. Bye-bye. Bye. This is Beat Spectrum here on Mutiny Radio. It's actually Beat Spectrum and the Balkan Balkan Show. Balkan Balkan is out playing with shadows and puppets. Shadow puppets. And he's, of course, balking around. Alrighty, so... So happy to be back here. It's fun. It's been kind of crazy for me. Alrighty, well, let's get to some beats. <laughs> 